0: Uh, and Benedict does rush
1: Tess out of the arena as this fight is happening so she's being shuffled out of the scene but Sophia um, what's that noise ring ring what's happening <sighs> ring ring <laughs> Tess, who doesn't have a phone, gets a phone call. An incredible thing <laughs> also, that the you most cannot 2001 say. <laughs> <thing> Every <laughs> moment after 2001, I don't have a this phone. This movie only can exist in 2001 because of this one very specific detail. All the rest of it you could update or like explain away, but this one moment, this one moment dates it to 2001 intimately. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Richarity, and I'm joined today by Amanda and Julia from Join the Party and Spirits Podcasts. Guys, welcome to the show. Yay, thank, thank you. you. Amanda, I've started doing that thing where I just
2: say yay now, and I blame yay! you for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: or because we are covering
0: uh, perhaps the best heist movie of all time today, uh, we can do my impression of the soundtrack, not of Ocean's Eleven, of Ocean's Twelve. We're going deep here today, folks, uh, which is to go ring, ding, 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 <laughs> which is just what I say around the house when I'm excited sure sure that makes sense that checks
1: (laughs) out Mm -hmm. it's a very pure expression of joy Uh, but you know we've touched on it just a second there so let's ask the question I got to ask you at the top of every show Uh, why did we watch Ocean's Eleven Amanda loves heist movies I think is the real answer to that question (laughs) yes
2: and I really like the Oceans trilogy plus the extra Oceans 8, so I was really mm-hmm. excited to to talk about them. I just think they're great movies in general. I have strong opinions about how I rank them in my mind,
0: but mm-hmm.
2: um, I, I just really like the movies. I
1: love kind of like a team gets together to do a thing, and I think that's essentially what almost every heist movie is mm-hmm. nothing's better when they when they tell you their entire plan and then you see it happen I'm mm-hmm. like great there's no yes. mysteries here I know what's going on but maybe there'll be and, then, some and then you think things are lost
0: <laughs> and that they they got you know someone got one
1: over on them but then
0: it uh-huh. turns out that they anticipated it and they already thought of it it's <laughs> it's really just like a, a a wish fulfillment fantasy for a, a controlling mm-hmm. planner like myself I was gonna it's, say I was like yeah. that's it's just wish fulfillment about it. <laughs> yep. That's the uh-huh. dream is
2: I'm prepared for every scenario that could or could not happen. And I look great. And Julia
0: Roberts
1: kisses me at the end. Oh, very The so. dream. The dream. It's kind of the good version of a group project. Like this is what you want yeah. to happen when you get an assigned team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But let's jump on into our little group project of a podcast here, and we're hey. gonna open at a prison where the sound of the, under the logos tell us an inmate is uh, walking and getting taken to some sort of interview room, and we fade up onto a chair where George Clooney takes a seat. Uh, not the other Ocean's Eleven, the one from the 60s. <laughs> this is an important distinction before the podcast. We are watching the 2001 version.
2: Mm-hmm. Not Frank Sinatra, not the <laughs> not Rat Frank Pack. Not Frank Sinatra, nope. Not just a bunch of people who were basically backed by the mob in order to become celebrities.
1: Not that. <laughs> did you
2: see that movie what was it like um amanda i haven't seen it because i refuse to watch frank sinatra acting in movies because he's not Fair. a good actor it's tough
1: <laughs> it's tough i think maybe the only time he's been passable was from here to eternity and that was notably a drama <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah
1: it's just um, not a lot of acting back in those days no. it's a lot of just men looking very <laughs> serious into cameras can you sing a song on a little piano and noodle a little tune out great you're in you got That's it. what we want from him, but, you know? Maybe else. the only thing that could have improved this movie is George Clooney having to sit down at some point and noodle a little tune out on a piano.
2: Ooh, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been
0: good but I mean clooney is very much our modern Sinatra right like he's as kind of like old glamour you know as yeah. you can possibly get a real like handsome respectable version of like the felon uh and I love that we open in this movie with like one of just my favorite cinematic shorthands which is like someone getting back the clothes that they were arrested in and mm-hmm. in clooney's case it is somehow a beautifully pressed tux uh and sort of like <laughs> weighing his wedding ring in his palm like oh no Oh, there's some intrigue there i just like sign me <laughs> up i'm i'm here for the next two hours i'm, I'm ready it tells you us know everything probably paid
2: know. someone off to be oh, like can man. you get this dry cleaned before yeah. i put it back on again <laughs> yes
1: yeah but we see his parole hearing uh they ask him some very pointed personal questions about his life and motivations, so that we the audience know that uh, he was recently left by his wife before he went into prison that's why he got sloppy on his most recent job and he's got sort of a history of doing this uh, petty, not petty, but thievery and crime and whatnot, so he's mm-hmm. our suave gentleman thief of sorts, um, and he has oh, yeah. some issues with his marriage. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but jaunty music kicks up, he's sent out of prison in his finely pressed tux, and uh, he's on to off to take on the world, and we go to the place where all things happen, Atlantic City, New Jersey. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yep. Ocean heads to a casino, all shiny and full of gambling, uh, joins in a table. And as he starts to play, um, this is going to be one of those movies where I really show my ass on not knowing anything about uh, blackjack poker and other okay. various casino games and or car makes and models. Hey, hey, so we're so going to yeah, just are, are you, freeze through. <laughs> are you
0: like a man in in your early 40s who grew up watching ESPN but being a nerd <laughs> and then seeing ESPN cover poker and be like, wait, it's a sport for me
1: no tragically um i was like an animal planet kid i watched way more meerkat manor than uh poker stars so very (laughs) forgivable for you
2: not to know the rules
1: of blackjack (laughs) excellent Mm -hmm. great (laughs) um but yeah he sits down he's gambling and uh keeping an eye on the staff he's sort of getting his his glance around the room i really love in this movie how frequently they'll just kind of give us a little pov shot to show us what the character is looking at and let you the audience kind of clock the important motion or the important little switcheroo throughout it really puts mm-hmm. you into ooh, i'm doing a little crime mode yep <laughs> yep like
2: i'm also as talented and as cool yes. as these thieves that we're gonna see
0: and this is something i'm sure i'll say over and over again during this episode but like the movie really trusts you to keep up and it, mm-hmm. it has such a good mix like there's not a word of dialogue wasted all of the shots are purposeful. I'm sure I'm simply describing a uh, film 101, but to a like non-film person like myself. And I think Soderbergh is particularly good at this. Like yeah. the camera and the writing and the actors and the scenes and the music and the lighting, like it all tells a story and there's no like, glitter on the highlighted passage which is also underlined and bolded like it Mm -hmm. entrusts you to keep up and sophia i think the the sort of pov shots that you're mentioning are exactly right where we watch Clooney, danny ocean clock different things and we don't yet know what they're going to add up to but once it gets
1: there we're like oh of course like we feel in on the joke or on the con as it were it makes for a very satisfying build as the scheme gets more complex but you still feel like you have the pieces to like play along to stick in there and go along Mm -hmm. for the ride But he's gambling and one staff member in particular uh, catches his eye and he says hello to Frank, a dealer he seems to know, though the dealer insists that his name is Ramon and uh, Ocean just sort of smiles a little back and forth. We've got a a little bit of a knowing wink, 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 nudge, nudge happening. Um, And Ramon tells him to try the lounge at the Caesars if he's really interested in some some good luck. So uh, Ocean's goes to wait. Ocean's Ocean goes to wait. I'm going to do that so many times this episode. (laughs) Uh, He's reading an article about a Las Vegas landmark being raised by its owner when he's approached by Ramon at the bar, and indeed his name really is Frank, he's using a fake name, and he's sure that Ocean's got some scheme cooked up already. So don't worry, audience, if you thought this was going to be a movie about a man going on the straight and narrow after getting out of prison, immediately we are squashing that idea. (laughs) I also I love Bernie
2: Mac in this role I think it's one of his like better roles that I've Mm -hmm. seen him in a talented actor all around RIP but like this is such a fun suave role for him and it works so well with like his role in the heist later on in the movie Mm -hmm. oh
1: yeah it's really an actor getting to act in this role more than anything else and he's she shines in it
2: Mm -hmm. he really does
1: Ocean pops oh Ocean pops outside to call his parole officer uh promising that he's not near any gambling or drinking or leaving You get the a state. Trump, uh, jump scare in that <laughs> shot too that oh, drives yeah. me crazy every time I rewatch and I'm like, "Ooh, I don't." <sighs> <ugh." laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Luckily, there will not be too much of him outside of this one shot. So in a, in a world you could put your thumb over the screen and just sort of hope that it just says towers or plaza or whatever it is. <laughs> In Hollywood, California, Rusty, a.k.a. Brad Pitt, is snacking when he's called inside by uh, mm. some folks. He's um, working in this club, helping like teach these people to play poker, uh, going around the table as they play a game, and being like, oh, maybe you should hold now or see that tell. Like, now's a good time to bet. And all poker things that a man in their 40s who grew up watching ESPN would know. And I was like, sure, yeah, yeah whatever Brad Pitt says. <laughs> it's such a good
2: series of cameos especially for this time period cuz these are all people who are like uh, on very popular tv shows but were so far away from being like a list actors mm-hmm. and there's a shot that we'll talk about in in probably a moment or two where they're leaving that club and everyone ignores you know the real life a list superstars like george clooney <laughs> and um and brad pitt and then just go for like Topher grace and you're like yeah. in joshua what jackson? jackson i know <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: it's so good somehow i didn't realize that these people were meant to be celebrities like it's that thing mm-hmm. where in the universe the universe acknowledges other writers like in a book you know what i mean where they're like oh, oh yes yeah. i also read octavia butler and you're like wait what this is a modern <laughs> sci-fi book it, it's so good and it's so funny. And these actors are absolutely like eating up, trying to be like, uh, you know, wishy-washy, woo-woo, like figure out gambling, don't know what they're doing, celebrities, mm-hmm. and it just, it is it is an amazing scene. And you're exactly right, Julie, the fact that they are they are having like Brad Pitt sort of kowtow to them. And then you come back and Clooney is there and they're all like, oh yeah, there's this guy. We met Danny. Like, it's just, it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: Topher
1: Grace, a recurring character as himself (laughs) in later films, which Mm -hmm. is kind of fun. (laughs) A a lot of important setup is happening in this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a good example of like, there's a kind of quiet humor to this movie where they're not like hitting you on the head with a quip all the time. But there's, you know, there's the inherent comedy of all of these celebrities trying to learn how to play poker and some are better than others and often they're making silly little mistakes and it's very comedic to watch through almost like rusty's perspective of like oh these guys don't know what they're doing and similarly later on you'll get kind of back and forth between rusty and ocean and other members of the heist crew where they have a similar sort of like almost uneven dynamic of well we're all in on it and the audience isn't and there's some humor in that as we can sort of expound on these points and it's a good like little easy into that early on because um, up till now it's been played pretty straight
2: We also get one of my favorite parts about Rusty as a character uh, in that first introduction when he's talking to Topher Grace and Topher Grace is like, (laughs) I have to pay you in check now so I can like write Mm -hmm. it off as taxes. And Rusty just like giving him a look and not responding, which is very much the dynamic that he shares with Danny in Mm -hmm. later scenes. And you like can really tell that like Rusty is the kind of person that lets people talk themselves into a corner and then finally like gets what he wants based off that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. There's so
0: much going on behind the eyes that is not vocalized. And yeah, like there are so (laughs) many times during the uh, during my notes in this rewatch where I was like, Rusty says nothing, looks at somebody, exchanges one word with Sammy, who's like in
1: on the code. (laughs) And then, you know, a full plan springs forth. It's good, too, for the audience, because then we don't have to hear the plan and see it immediately afterwards. You get to just sort of find out as everyone else does. It's a a nice little heist trick for our heist film. Um, Ocean is going to meet back up with Rusty at this event by sitting down at the table with all the celebrities and uh, sharing some meaningful eye contact Mm -hmm. Uh, and talking vague about his past. uh, Rusty fills in his surrounding about uh, what it was that Ocean was stealing. It was these Incan matrimonial masks. Uh, Very difficult to fence, but very valuable if you can find the right person. And uh, they have a little bit about Ocean bluffing and Rusty calling out that Ocean is bluffing and as he manages to trick the entire table, uh, indeed, Ocean is very good at bluffing. This will pay dividends later. (laughs) Amanda, or
2: Sophie, Sophia and Amanda, I wanna ask you guys, mm-hmm. do you think that they are both working together to con all of these celebrities by having Rusty tell them, like, I wouldn't let, you know, I would call him out on that. He thinks he can bluff his way out of this. You should go all in or whatever. Like this is like a, um, uh, like a song and dance that they've done before. I like to read it as an arena
0: with like unwitting, foolish spectators, For them meeting again after Danny was put away for so long and like Rusty clearly Mm -hmm. has feelings about it he clearly advised against whatever Danny did um and you know it's kind of needling that in public uh and I I totally wouldn't be surprised if that was the intention Julia and I I appreciate that you're kind of seeing more uh you know intention behind it but I just I'm a sucker for like a things unsaid in front of company and that's that to me is the high sort of camp comedy of it that like Topher Grace and Joshua Jackson are pouting over their $30 you know <laughs> as uh as Rusty and Danny are sort of hashing this interpersonal stuff out
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I think I generally agree with that it feels more like it's a delicate dance between the two of them more so than any organized attempt to con these guys uh they're getting caught in the crossfire of this reunion but they're not necessarily the intended targets of it
0: Mm-hmm. Like they are the collective stand-in for what Matt Damon's character will later be in terms yes. of like, you know, kind <laughs> of being the butt of the joke four times over as these sort of mm-hmm. more, you know, extreme players like work out what it is
1: that they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but they leave the club. Topher Grace and co. gets sworn by the media and Ocean and Rusty head off to talk about how bored they are. Uh, Ocean has a job in mind, but it's tricky. It's never been done and it's going to need a big crew uh their target three casinos vaults all linked at the vault of the bellagio which is fed into by the mgm grand and the mirage the three big casinos of vegas i'm made to understand by this movie uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i don't know probably if you sure say so. i'll believe you george clooney i mm-hmm. yeah, you got it you've taken me to atlantic city i've seen all i need to see <laughs> um We see the schematics at the vault, uh, and Rusty is very impressed by their robustness. And I'm a sucker for a schematic on screen. I love when they show me a little chart, and this movie was giving me everything I wanted.
2: I also love this particular scene where Danny, like, explains, like, his reason behind it and gives this really Mm -hmm. impassioned speech. And you're like, yeah, yeah, like, that's the that's the thesis of the movie. That's the heart of the movie. And then there's like that brief pause. And he's like, was that too much? And then like, no, no, I liked it. You know, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it really shows the characters and the dynamic even more so from the previous scene between Danny and Rusty.
1: Yeah. You've got to have your one very charismatic guy heading up your heist crew, regardless of how big it gets. And Clooney does a really great job with that in the scene of mm. kind of like metatextually being aware that you need that guy. Like he's like, no, I'm I'm the face. I'm the head. Like, I have to be able to give this sort of impassioned speech to get our you know dozen or so guys that we need on this crew involved. Um, maybe a little less than a dozen, but, you know,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But yeah, they do sort of expound here. We're gonna need a dozen guys. uh, And uh, before they can leave, I love this little beat, the security guard shines a flashlight in their face. is like, what are you doing here? And they're like, ah, it's Stan, get out of here, whatever your name is. And they're all buds. They got led in willingly and he's able to just walk out like, can I borrow this to make copies? Take their schematics. So they've clearly got connections and there's this whole underworld network that uh, just permeates the film and foregrounds
0: a later moment when Danny seems much more imperiled but also pulls out the exact same maneuver which just feels like mm-hmm. classic Danny like this this <laughs> getting the gang together sequence is the best I have ever seen, certainly my favorite. There are like those kind of split screen, like what I would call an iMovie transition, right? Of like the <laughs> like blinds coming together. It's just, it's so good. It's so tight. It's so funny. Like we'll go through beat by beat all the all the different ones. Um, but I so appreciate how many aspects of remote controlling a car, of you know, mm-hmm. like having a dealer under an assumed name at a table. Every single thing that is written into this game, the game together sequence comes back in the ultimate heist
1: yeah is one thing that the oceans movies are great at is set up and payoff and this is the ultimate setup right here um so fun my brain is so pleased (laughs) (laughs) uh ocean does his speech he practices his line about you know um the house always wins until the perfect hand comes along you bet big and you beat the house great Uh, And now we get into our recruitment montage. Uh, We're gonna get our gang together and we're gonna be going basically line by line of the type of guy you need for the heist, what he's doing right now, and immediately recruiting him. They start with Ruben in Las Vegas, who's the money. Uh, he's like sitting at the table for brunch with them. He's like, You guys are nuts. This shit's crazy. This is never going to work. Uh, he tells them, and I love this little sequence he has where he tells them about the three most successful robberies in Vegas, none of which really made it farther than the driveway out front before getting captured or killed. Which um, is great
2: at setting the odds for yes. what the movie is and
1: showing them like
2: how big a deal it is if they actually pull this mm-hmm. off so good so good and
0: such a yeah purposeful use of flashback I think also if I'm not mistaken Steven Soderbergh the director is one of the failed uh thieves he's uncredited (laughs) yeah on
1: IMDb uh really made me laugh oh that's That's a pretty good director's cameo like if you're gonna put yourself you gotta gotta, yeah you gotta biff it Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. he also reminds them that once they're out the front door of the casino they're just gonna be in the middle of the desert so they gotta have some sort of getaway plan um and they do a little fake out like oh you know if this is too much for you we'll we'll leave thank you for lunch uh and as they're walking away name drop that they're trying to rob terry benedict's casinos Uh, and this stops reuben right in his tracks he's pissed he hates terry terry torpedoed his casino and is demolishing it next month we remember the headline from earlier uh and Although Reuben stresses that they can't let Benedict know that they're involved or he'll just kill them outside the bounds of the law and truly ruin them, uh, rend them body and soul from the face of the earth. Um, he he kind of agrees to be in on this and uh, they start to put together the rest of the crew.
0: So good. Our,
1: it's it's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And like, you know, picking
2: Reuben to be that kind of like, their bankroller, they're mm-hmm. like the guy with the money who's going to help them with all of this is such like a calculated move by Danny, and it, like almost feels like because Danny had this plan, he spent all of his time in prison coming up with this like perfect plan, right? Mm-hmm. And it only works because Terry Benedict decided to demolish Ruben's old hotel, and like yeah. so the timing is so perfect for the movie that you know it's it's Hollywood magic in a way (laughs) but you're like what would you have done if that hadn't happened and I'm just curious what the backup plan would have been yeah I don't know but Julia you're exactly right and
0: Ruben is such a good tie-in as well to the sort of like old Las Vegas mafia era opulence um like Mm -hmm. his house is incredible he is the most opulent mog and david necklace i've ever seen it's like not just a star (laughs) of david it's like surrounded by a shield incredible um and he is such an interesting link to kind of the old guard um and making clear that like this is a target we can feel really good about ripping off and these are odds that are really really high when even one of his sworn enemies is like no fucking way can you pull this off
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's perfect setup um our first guy that we recruit besides Ruben is a familiar face. It's Frank, the dealer. Uh, he's in pretty much right away for their getaway drivers. Their drivers, they have the Malloy brothers, their Mormon twins. And I love <sighs> their little intro because they're racing a real monster truck in an RC monster truck. <laughs> An, an epic True. shot again
0: foreshadowing some amount of remote controlling of vehicles that will happen later mm-hmm. in the movie uh and also just absolutely incredible that Scott Kahn the son of a fairly <laughs> famous actor James Kahn and yeah. Casey yeah. Affleck Casey brother Affleck. of Ben are the like uh, uh like rip off second rate twins here it's so good You're like, oh, you guys got the Nepo babies for
2: these roles.
0: (laughs) That's kind of fun. 20 years before that was a thing. Absolutely Uh
2: incredible.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get our tech guy next, Livingston Devil. Uh, He's currently helping the FBI mob squad and really like micromanaging the tech inside of their van as they watch a a drop at a park. Um, His one flaw might be that he gets a little nervous, but he seems to be mostly on top of that for the time being. I really love Eddie Jemison who plays Livingston because every once in a while he'll like
2: pop up on a TV show and like be like kinda weirdly evil and a bad guy, and I'm like, ooh, yes. hello. <laughs> so different. I love that. Such a like oh no it's one... that guy kind of role.
0: No one like drips sweat nervously and sinisterly <laughs> like
1: Livingston Dell. It's so good. Yeah. Cool. True. Facts. His control of his sweat glands is truly <laughs> what elevates him as an actor. <laughs> um for their munitions they wanted to get a guy named phil but he's dead so instead they're going to go with basher uh who at the time of their discussion has some availability issues since he's in the process of blowing open a vault to a bank uh and does get caught when the alarm goes off and as he's being arrested uh rusty approaches him manages to slip him some of the materials he needs to set off his own little explosion and pretending to be an atf agent um pulls Basher away as they walk quickly away from a new explosion on a police car, uh, preventing him from being arrested and allowing them to get their munitions guy for this particular heist. All right. So we have to talk about the Don Cheadle of it all. Amanda?
0: (laughs) Don Cheadle famously has among the worst movie accents of all time uh, in this film. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no reason for it. It gets worse with repeated viewings and not better. And (laughs) we're just going to have to get through it, guys. We're going to have to get through it together. (laughs)
2: yeah it, and like it's not like the performance is bad it's just the accent it's he's giving just his whole ass to he really nonsense
1: cockney rhyming slang and a yeah. terrible accent that isn't even cockney. They've given him so many like haggard scarves and things too it's really just a whole like kind of off-brand doctor who effect he's got going on in this <laughs> Yeah, movie, he's a real, like, not necessarily the bohemian. vibe of the character yes. yeah he's trying
2: so hard though Don Cheadle like I don't listen it's bad but Don Cheadle's <laughs> trying so hard, so I can't be mad at yeah. him about it. you all know the love I mean? to Don
1: Cheadle. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything but the sex. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> their next recruit is at a circus in San Diego, where some acrobats are performing. And they are going to recruit the amazing Yen, uh, a Chinese acrobat who is going to be able to do all sorts of flips and tricks and get around a room in a crazy way. Mm-hmm. Um, we see him do a jump in this scene. He will be doing some jumps later on. He will. Also, just the
2: inclusion of the
1: amazing Yen uh,
2: ha- is one of my favorite tropes in, like, really any kind of fiction, which is, like, no one else speaks. I can't I can't remember if it's Mandarin or Cantonese to him. Mm-hmm. No one else speaks it, but everyone understands what he's saying. <laughs>
1: exactly. And it's one of my favorite tropes in movies. Uh, every time. It gets me every time. It's mm-hmm. so good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm always glad when they don't put subtitles in for the audience too it's like no we don't we don't need to know exactly what he said it's just yeah he's in the group he's in the vibe mm. we're we just all get the vibe getting through it ocean wants to recruit a guy named Saul, uh but he got out of the game a year ago so rusty has to go to florida where Saul is at a uh dog race track and uh, they start talking about the history that they have and his life as a man of crime and uh as Rusty kind of asks Saul, like, oh, what do you want? And Saul tries to insist that he's changed. He's happy with his new retired life down in Florida. Um, Sophia, may, may I read but, you a quote from this monologue, which is yes. among my favorites of all time? Okay. So he Please says,
0: uh, I got a duplex now. I got wall to wall on a goldfish. I'm seeing a nice lady. She works the Unmentionables counter at Macy's. I've changed. <laughs> Just like, Good for him. nothing. Good for him. Nothing is more... Is is better. Like it is. It is so New York. The use of the phrase wall to wall. The idea that this elderly man is a goldfish. The unmentionables. I, I'm just. I'm obsessed. It's so good.
1: He's living his best life down in Florida. Yes, he, he his is. Heart. He is. But he can't resist the appeal of just one more job. As uh, Rusty fills him in on the details, and uh, it's, it's it's just too too alluring. You can't get the taste of that fine heist off of your tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Rusty and Ocean are counting up all the guys they've recruited. Uh they have got 10 and they're like, "You know, we need we need one more." It's the oh title of the movie. We got to get to 11. <laughs> who's the new um, so hotness. Go to
0: who's the newer, hotter, weirder, nerdier than uh Brad Pitt? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is really a good description yeah. of who Matt Damon is in this movie. Thank it's you. sort of the spectrum of like white male celebrity hotness in Because you've got George Clooney, who's sort of like an old era, like classic Mm -hmm. three eras. You know, you're you're Brad Pitts. He's right, solidly in the middle, and Matt Damon's up and coming. You know, this was pre The Martian, so we're getting. He he's he's having his moments. No, he'd just done Goodwill Hunting, and Brad
0: Pitt had, had just kind of wrenched this, like, career turn throughout the 90s. This came out in 2001 from, you know, he did True Romance in the early 90s mm-hmm. into Seven, into Fight Club, uh, where he's trying to, like, really establish himself as a, you know, as an actor. He had, like, a cameo as himself in Being John Malkovich a couple years before, but this is, I think, a pretty, like, courageous move to sort of trade in his celebrity and say like no no i am the sidekick i am the everyman and matt Mm damon as somebody who is like on the on the up and coming uh is you know now we see those three names they're the same but this is really in the midst of like fine distinctions between these three men's fame level
1: yeah exactly and it just pairs so nicely to like their level of heist experience and how in on it they are um because when we Linus, Matt Damon's character on the... His name is uh, Linus. <laughs> His name is Just Linus. Just to really
2: drive home that he's a big-ass nerd, yeah, we named a, him he's Linus. he's a nerd. nerd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's pickpocketing folks on the subway very deftly as Ocean watches and Ocean In Reverse, reverse pickpocket A nerdy him. city. <laughs> <laughs> a <band. laughs> it is.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you say so.
1: Lovingly. I haven't been there. You tell me. <laughs> yes. Um, Ocean Reverse pickpockets him and uh, when he reads the business card in his pocket instead of the wallet that he had snatched it takes him to Emmett's Pub where uh, Ocean flashes the stolen wallet offers him a job uh, drops that he's the son of a guy named Bobby Bobby won't come up super often it's just sort of Linus's tie to crime in this movie it's like oh he's got this legacy you know he's at least a legacy character he's got something to prove to, to get out of his father's shadow uh, his father not super important otherwise um super important though in oceans 13 in oceans 13 very important yeah. in ocean's 13
2: <laughs> and a great like setup and aspiring... payoff across movies
0: yeah and he's yeah. like the aspiring self-conscious something to prove son of a grifter king and that is really mm-hmm. really interesting
1: yeah And it's his inn, they've got their 11th man, uh, and so we can go back to Las Vegas. A little less conversation picks up as we fly over the Strip. We're going to get a lot of of great shots of flying over the Strip, and the crew is all gathering at Ruben's, making polite conversation uh, until Oceans arrives and starts um, the intro to their real mission. He's going to propose something dangerous and lucrative, and if they want out, this is their chance to leave. No hard feelings. Everyone Truly my inside.
2: My, yeah. One of my favorite lines in this whole movie <laughs> is when they all show up outside of Ruben's door and he's like, did you guys get like a share? Did you share a cab coming back from <laughs> yeah. the airport? What's going on here? And it's guys, really because we do
1: see a shot of like a cab go up the driveway and it is just one kind of normal cab and there's nine guys in the- <laughs> it's sort of so the clown funny. car logic of a high yeah. school this big like they've
0: my dad's one of 11 kids which i, I think always made me like tied to this movie in, in some fun way and i was like <laughs> i would ask him just as growing up like how many cars did you have he's like, oh, usually one. Like, we'd make multiple trips. And I'm just like, how did it work? Like, logistically, what happened? Multiple trips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so just, like, those little moments are, I think, exactly what you were getting at earlier, Sophia, with, like, just the quiet, subtle humor of this movie. You could watch it and not mm-hmm. crack a laugh the entire time. It's still a great movie. Or you could watch it and, like, mm-hmm. me laugh uproariously
1: throughout the entire thing. And it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a type of comedy you don't get from a lot of blockbusters, like, in recent years, because now it feels much more overt. It's that nice, subtle... Well, we know we're funny, so we don't have to prove it. And if you laugh at it, great. And if you don't, fine. Still have a good time with the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: It feels like the way your friends make jokes in real life, as opposed to, like, a comedy group writing a script being like, this is a joke.
1: Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Very much so.
1: Um, Everyone heads inside, save for Linus, who needs a little encouragement from Saul, uh, and then joins the group. Um, Ocean's... Oh, oceans, oh my gosh. Ocean runs us through the plan. Bellagio, MGM, and Mirage are on the uh, 300 block. Underground is the Bellagio's vault. Uh, bad news first, there's an insane security system. They got to get through like a security cage and then get a code that changes every like 12, six, six or 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And then you got to get in an elevator that needs a fingerprint and vocal authorization from both sides. And you can't just skip the elevator because inside of the lift shaft are these motion sensors, which again, one thing I love in a movie, big room full of red lasers. You're going to get some red lasers
2: it. in this movie. If you gotta, you get a... red lasers in every goddamn Oceans movie. Hell, There's yeah. never not red lasers. If we're
0: not in skin tight black cat suits going through a, roo- a mm-hmm. laser grid, what the hell what are, are we, we doing, doing
1: people? <laughs> I want people descending on wires very slowly from yes. a tall thing as they have to slowly navigate their way through. And somehow um, the technological plan
0: of the heist comes down to like hearing a lock click or something. But no, it's, it's so good. And it just, again, like some excellent. of this, this just incredible uh, dialogue writing of like, oh, yeah. So behind, uh, I think this is Saul asking the question, like behind, mm-hmm. you know, the door we can access through the impossible lasers, through the codes that have just changed,
1: blah, blah, blah. Uh, it really lines up how unlikely this heist is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also got to deal with guards, with Uzis and the most elaborate door known to man. Um, There's a brief moment where Yen suggests tunneling, but there's sensors in the ground, so that's out. So we're really eliminating all other possible means of entry, save for what will eventually be the plan. Um, The good news is one particular fact. The Nevada Gaming Commission has a rule that a casino must have enough cash in its reserves to cover every chip at play on the floor. Which means uh, on the fight night that they plan on robbing the casino, there will be $150 in that vault for them to steal and oh baby is that a score with so much money do the (laughs) math do the math 11 of them with an equal share um Saul asks how they will get out of the casino with the 150 mil without getting stopped and Oceans confidently says yeah and so we begin our heist montage which is kind of just the rest of the movie Uh, (laughs) and
0: I think that's such a good observation because the movie is very equally divided. The the first third Mm -hmm. is the gathering of the crew and the heist planning. Uh, The next third is troubleshooting as various things go wrong which is the turning point that we're at right now and then the final third is execution and it is just so satisfyingly divided where like we get into the meat and potatoes right now like starting now we are doing mm-hmm. dry runs and gathering supplies and we are like what maybe 40 minutes into the movie like it's it, it's it uses
1: two hours to perfect effect mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it has a good like build to it in terms of the complexity of the cons that they're pulling off and the complexity of the pieces of the heist that they're getting into position so even within those thirds there's a nice like arc to it where we're slowly ramping up to what will be the heistiest of all heist moments. All <laughs> uh, right. So first up, they've got to do their recon. They got to know everything about every guard, anyone with a security pass, etc. Everyone's watching their respective charges or their respective parts of the casino. Um, and uh, one of them overhears one of the like tech guys talking about how he likes to go to a club and see this one particular woman dance. Sometimes that may come up later. Um. <laughs> They also are sent to learn all of the routes in and out of the casino, but particularly out because casinos are built to be like mazes. And so you want to make sure that you always know how to exit quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Second up on the list, they're going to need power. Uh, Their plan is to throw the switch and send Sin City into darkness on fight night. And that's where Basher comes in. Um, He's putting out his little cones so he can get into the subway or the tunnel, sewers to get into the sewers under Las Vegas and uh, maybe plant some bombs or explosives or whatever Basher and his Don Cheadle accent are going to do that's also, Amanda, one of your favorite things, which is like just if you can confidently
2: do something, you could basically walk into anywhere. And that's exactly what Don Cheadle does there. It is
0: absolute social engineering. And I like I wouldn't be surprised, too, if Don Cheadle had like followed, you know, sewer workers to sort of like dole out the cones in like a convincing manner. He just he looks at home and that is like three quarters of the battle of heisting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Confidence is the real superpower of this movie. True. Drilly facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of surveillance, they go to said dancer at said club from moments earlier and use, uh, her dance to pickpocket one of the security techs badge so that they can send their tech guy in to tap into the surveillance system. Um. We see inside of the casino two of the crew members get into a fight and release some conveniently large bundle of balloons that goes floating up to the ceiling and covers the security camera. Um, Security is, of course, dispatched to help break up the fight, but their tech guy uses this opening to use his stolen badge to get access to their back um, back room's hallway system. I love this. He's reading the map on his hand that he's drawn on there in pen to make sure he makes all the right turns, gets to the server room. We love it. I also, I, I, no, go ahead, Amanda. You
0: first, mine is kind of like out of time.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, the two people that get into the fight with the balloons are the twins. And I think that it's truly just so funny. All of their like little background dialogue throughout the entire film of just them bickering (laughs) is hilarious if you just pay enough attention to like actually hear it. And it's so good, it's truly so good.
0: They are so well cast as like the ignored little brother archetype. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, it is so perfect. And this is also like, I think the, the maybe four times throughout the movie, they are in different costumes, uh, walking through that exact same room of the casino. Uh, they play bodyguards. They're the, the warring delivery men. They are like, uh, room service, um, you know, like porters, and then uh, I think security guard, like some other kind of guard, but they just essentially put on different jackets and they look completely interchangeable uh, with just like <laughs> random people on the
1: street. And it makes me laugh every single time.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they well, the real- all white men the, the same, oh, so. that too. <laughs> there were a lot of times,
1: re- even rewatching this, like I, I can't tell Matt Damon and uh, Brad Pitt apart every single scene. I was like, wait, that wasn't Rusty the Holton, Okay, I gotta go back and change that note. <laughs> It's just uh, the most ridiculous outfit is
2: always going to be Rusty. That's how yeah. I differentiate. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, him really in bright colors and a red leather jacket
0: must be Rusty. <laughs> yeah, snacking on like four nachos in like a hot dog boat, uh, like that's that's Rusty. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's also one of my other favorite lines in the film during this sequence, uh, which is when uh, when they you know use the uh, the dancer to pickpocket the key card. Uh, right afterward, we cut to Rusty in the parking lot of the strip club, uh, thanking the dancer, um, and he says, "Say hi to your mom for me and then she said say yourself she'll be on stage in five minutes was just like <laughs> so good again just so like funny. saying saying with like eight or nine words an entire biography oh so good
2: Manna, can I tell you a quick fun fact about the twins that I, I learned like last time I watched Please. the movie yeah so originally they were going to cast Luke and Owen Wilson oh man that would have been funny that would have been really good but they were they were doing uh, royal tenenbaums at the time Uh, so they they couldn't commit to the film but like (laughs) imagine those actual two as brothers in the film that would have been hilarious iconic
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, but the balloon boys are managed to keep their charge distracted while uh, Livingston does his thing he goes into the security room the server room uh, gets some sort of direct feed doing some tech stuff specifics are not important, he attaches a thing to a thing and uh, then he heads back out and as he leaves he looks at his hand but he has sweat when he was trying to attach the device to the wires in the The server room and so his map is unreadable Too sweaty (laughs) It's it's his real acting superpower Mm -hmm. Um, Just being so sweaty all the time as he's leaving one of the security guys passes by him and says hello and has a moment of like oh this looks suspicious and so he goes to the server room and as he uh we see our livingston leaving the halls um the security guard returns in the server room and tries to rush and call out to him uh livingston gets stuck at the door but he's just returned his i think it was his cell phone or you know some other thing that he had dropped uh, it's the little TV thing that he was using to hack into the cameras uh, and he thought
2: he was like watching the game while working, which yeah. I think is really funny. Like it looks like a little portable TV. He's like, hey, um, how's the and reception this is really... on that? Yeah, he's like, oh, it was pretty good. Um, I really like this moment, too, because it is like really the first time where it feels like the heist might go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the stakes feel like, oh, the we're not even getting to the night of the heist yet, but like here's a moment where like it could have possibly gone wrong.
1: Yeah totally it's just like ramping up very slowly in levels of difficulty and going wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they build an exact replica of the bellagia vault for practice question mark uh, <laughs> something like that, something we, know like that. But, mm-hmm. we know it's important it's an insane thing to do so it's got to pay dividends someday um and they get to their sixth task on the list which is transport and frank goes to buy some vans Uh, but the price ain't it and after a very extended handshake negotiation hand cream discussion uh, and a little bit of threatening squeezing he manages to get the price down Um, he
2: literally strong arms him it's great (laughs) hey that's so true
1: good for bernie mac um
0: and just again, like seeing seeing like in the, the the shot sort of like sweeps from the parking lot into the interior mm-hmm. of the used car dealership and we see the twins like bouncing uh very oddly on the suspension to check of the, the van. Suspension, yeah. Testing it. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, it's it's funny in the moment. It adds like momentum to the shot. And then we just you know, have sort of a, a tight hold on Frank and the salesperson. Um but then later we need that and it has it all been seeded the entire time
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh saul is getting fit for a suit when rusty and ocean ask if he's okay or when ocean asks if he's okay to do this and saul is very much ready to get back in the game he is very much ready to do this and he starts practicing introducing himself as Lyman Zurga, uh, and he enters the casino becoming Lyman Zurga. He's equipped with an entourage, a personality, and a backstory, arms dealer from Europe. He's ready to bet big, get in with Benedict, and do his part in the heist.
2: But that scene also is really interesting because it adds this additional layer of tension because it's mm-hmm. really implied that like Saul is having health concerns it's why he got out of the game in the first place and so they're like worried that like oh you know Saul this might be too much for you and we don't want you to like risk your health and your mm-hmm. life by doing this job and he like you know denies any part of that and it does set up some tension for later on in the film so it's like you're like ooh, was was it all an act What, what what's happening here it's great a
0: hundred percent yeah and yeah. we have oh wait I completely forgot my point as I was starting to talk Wait. Okay. One, two. Never mind. It'll come back to me. <laughs> I like
2: that you take three seconds to see. Hey, is it gonna come back to me? Yeah. No. Moving on. It's
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Linus is giving Rusty the details on Benedict, our casino owner. He has a very precise schedule that he follows every day, which is just perfect for a heist team in need. Um, he arrives at two p.m. at the Bellagio every day, like clockwork. Same car, same driver. He knows every valet's name on the way in, uh, and his office upstairs at the casino so he heads on up does some work and then he hits the lobby floor at 7 p.m and spends three minutes on the not on the floor uh talking to the manager he then spends a few minutes kind of glad handing the high rollers he's fluent in many languages spanish german and italian and his japanese is getting better uh (laughs) you see a little montage of him talking to all these high rollers um he gets a portfolio with the day's take and the security codes and then he heads to the restaurant. That portfolio is key. It has all of the codes. And after two minutes of being printed, it is in Benedict's hands. So that's your little window to potentially see that portfolio. Um, Linus really stresses that this guy is ruthless. Uh, The last person who cheated at his casino was locked up for 10 years, had the bank take his house, and then he even bankrupted his brother. So he's like, he goes after you. He goes after everyone who's ever talked to you. Like, this is a bad dude. And it's Andy Garcia. And you're like, Of
2: course it is, because who else would it be? Now, Julia, I really own,
0: I really know him best as this guy. So, like, where else is he iconic from? Does he always play a baddie?
2: Well, he famously, like, his Academy Award nomination, like, I think the only one that he has, but I'm not Mm -hmm. entirely sure. He was in The Godfather 3.
1: Yeah. Arguably Uh
2: the worst Godfather. But, (laughs) like, you know, that was his kind of, like, big breakout role. He was in a couple of other ones, but that was, like, the thing that got him... Uh, pretty famous. His first role ever was on Murder. She wrote though. Huh, fun, good for fun him. Fact, but it, it was, was like sort was like, like, of
0: like of a piece with his bigger career of like the kind of mob adjacent. Yes. Like yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean like his his first couple of movies were kind of mob adjacent. He was in The Untouchables, which was like Robert mm-hmm. De Niro and like Sean Connery, Kevin Costner. Like he's always kind of played these sort of like high tension mob kind of roles. So he's a yeah. uh,
0: he's really and good now in his it.
1: later career yeah he gets typecast a lot as uh he was in, like father of the bride so like well they were in the mob and now we're doing a comedy
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in *Mamma Mia*. Here we go again, Amanda. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's true. But he just—he—he mm-hmm. he looks
0: like like five foot six of like spite and money and and just like mm-hmm. exacting tension. And I, I know I know Julia has, but I, I bet Sofia, you had a boss who is like stupidly exacting over like this the weirdest shit yes. and just like oh yes, like we need it to be pe- stapled here in this color paper clip and like the, you know whatever. I was just getting such incredible flashbacks to like oh yes, like if the binder is not exactly where it has to be you know 30 seconds after it comes off the printer like someone's head's getting chopped off
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's that kind of exacting it makes him very easy to root against too for this movie because you know they're doing a crime uh it's a fun crime to watch but it is still technically a crime so it's good to have the person that they're stealing from be just so objectively and overtly dislikable even if he mm-hmm. is exacting and you know a perfectionist like you want him to get robbed uh, at the end of the day You do,
2: you do. And And they they really up that even further in Ocean's 13. So like, (laughs) and he he becomes the accomplice in Ocean's 13, which is really fun. So it's like, yeah, there's a guy even worse than Tony. uh, Yeah, there's a guy even worse than
1: Benedict out there. Mm -hmm. And that's before we realize he got the girl. Mm, Mm, Yeah, good reveal, Amanda. (laughs) Perfect timing, because next comes the girl, who is the curator of the museum upstairs, and down those stairs walks a woman in red. It's Julia Roberts, baby. Uh, and Linus is like, "Oh man, she's so
2: hot. This is my favorite part of the day." And they're like, it's part of <laughs> the that's day. Ocean's ex-wife. That's <laughs> Ocean's ex-wife. Everyone
0: be cool. This is Tess. What a good name for an ex-wife, no? What a good yeah, name. yeah, right?
2: And also, like, a, her whole thing is she's a uh, like
1: art curator, and you're mm-hmm.
2: like, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That checks that's out checks an ex-wife that. job. Yeah,
1: <laughs> big ex-wife <laughs> energy job, right?" Rusty pulls Ocean aside to talk. Uh, They do a little walk and talk. He's like, Tess is your ex-wife. Are you sure that this job is not about you screwing the guy who screwed your ex-wife? And Ocean's like, no, totally not. I'm definitely not. Definitely not why we're doing (laughs) this job on this particular guy. And uh, Rusty's worried that Ocean is stealing two things. Uh, And he's like, well, if it comes down to it, which one are you going to pick? We can't split test eleven ways, She's mm-hmm. a nice little point of conflict to kind of throw in there and muddy the waters a little bit. Yeah, and so just a reminder, she's a woman who has her own agency. <laughs> <laughs> Shh,
0: Julia, no, 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 I'm joking. Um, that's what we have Ocean's Eight for. Um, but yeah, no, it it's so <laughs> it's so good because it is this like again thrumming little like. Uh, background Mm -hmm. note of tension that was picked up during that first poker game with Topher Grace and Joshua Jackson. Uh, And we'll come back to later in the heist of, you know, was this his plan all along? Does he know what he's doing? Um, And can we trust him? Like, can we, the
1: audience and, Mm -hmm. you know, the rest of the heist crew trust Danny Ocean? Yeah, absolutely. We see Tess looking at an art piece while Benedict arrives and they make plans to get together that night. Uh, and we kind of see that he doesn't see in the art what she does. Like He's like, oh, if you like it, I like it, I guess. And she's, you know, looking deeply at this abstract painting and really getting something from it. So we know that she's got a deep inner life that he just doesn't connect with. Exactly. And showing that they're not compatible at no. all. <laughs> she's a brunette. She's deep. A- Come on. as if we needed any more reason to think that benedict was a bad person (laughs) it's
2: like he's like oh he doesn't like art fuck him he doesn't like art
1: and he doesn't like really talk to his girlfriend or appreciate julia roberts yeah no fuck that yeah Mm -hmm. uh at the table saul is gambling waiting for his private conversation with benedict who gets the rundown on uh ziegler from his manager he's like oh this rich guy
0: this is an observation i had during the movie that i wanted to share and workshop with you guys Okay, yes. I would like for you to imagine. Julia, real
2: quick, what year did The Princess Diaries come out? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably about 2001, I would say. Let's find out, though. Similar-ish. One second. What if... Uh, 2001, same year. Mm-hmm. What if
0: Ziegler and Julie Andrews are estranged lovers? What if the Ooh. unnamed Central European country that Ziegler comes from in this alias is, in fact... Geneva. Not Geneva, that's real. Genovia.
1: Genovia. Genovia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Geneva real place, Genovia fake. Moldova real somehow. Yeah, no, I it's it's so it's it just struck me as like the perfect like sort of like generic European uh, you know, like Belgium adjacent
1: country. It's the I'm same world that all that. those like Vanessa Hudgens Netflix yes. Christmas movies live in mm-hmm. where it's like, well, this isn't a real European Christmas country. It is just a name for a place. Like yes, that's this exactly is all right. the same European universe. Christmas country. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love the European Christmas countries. are oh, the my European favorite European place Christmas to
1: visit. Yeah. <laughs> all of the economy revolves around one two-day event every year and that's it. <laughs> all
2: wooden carved toys. <laughs> the for big sale for the, that's the or orphans. whole Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the orphans in the entire country why the do oceans they have orphans and when they have a strong social safety net Shh, sh, 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 sh. don't worry see that would have been a better plot to oceans 12 in my personal opinion i don't like oceans 12 let we'll to do that next also so funny yeah
1: yeah that's really the oceans movies is them gathering funds to send back to mysterious christmas country it's a new take on how to help these orphans bold new strategy um Tess sits down to dinner, but the hand that shows up on her shoulder is not uh, Benedict, but Ocean, who's like, hey, I'm out of prison. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Woo!
2: Exciting stuff is. to see
1: your ex-husband
2: <laughs> out of prison and in your casino where you work and where your yeah. uh, boyfriend owns. And
0: like, I, I know <laughs> like, that Julia Roberts is given absolutely nothing to work with in this movie. She has mm-hmm. no preferences has or traits, uh, except for <laughs> she hot likes art. And she art. likes art. Yeah, no, th- those are the two. She is hot and she likes art. Uh, but she just, she conveys so much. And like, I, I know we're all sort of similar age, but like Julia Roberts was sort of, A generation before me like she was like felt like a Mm -hmm. an idol to my mom like just the untouchable like incredible a-lister of a-listers and in this movie i'm like i get it y'all like she is she is expressing so much with those soulful doe eyes like i can't i can't handle it (laughs) she's so good Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and they have a very like hostile but highbrow conversation is how they I would describe most of their interactions until the kinda like final turn. Like there there there's clearly a lot of history between the two of them. She's not willing to give him the time of day and he's trying to charm his way into the conversation. We know that he's a better match for her because he has things to say about the art upstairs that's been curated. He's like, I like this art (laughs)
2: But even he, like, says something along the lines of, like, oh, I always get Monet and uh, mm. Monet confused. Yeah. And she's, like, which one had a mistress and which one lost their ear? And she's, like, they did also paint, you know? Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> so good. And um, another just incredible line of dialogue where Danny is, like, you know, acknowledging um, that uh, that she's with someone new. And he asks, does he make you laugh? And Julia Roberts says mm-hmm. in, like, one of my all-time favorite line deliveries, he doesn't make me cry bitch she's doing
1: the most <laughs> with what she has yep just a real mic drop uh Saul is talking with benedict telling him that uh he's got a briefcase arriving on the night of the fight and he wants it in something better than the house safe so they're gonna put it in the Bellagio vault um mm. just a thing you can ask me when you're a high roller yeah <laughs> I, guess I guess when, when you, you have millions and millions of dollars you can do whatever the fuck you that's want. that's what i get from this. if you look rich and european enough they'll just let you do whatever mm-hmm um, Tess meanwhile is mad that Ocean let his stealing affect her, and he tries to convince her to break up with Benedict, uh, even if it's not to get back with him. And at that moment, uh, Benedict shows up, reclaims his seat, and uh, Ocean takes Ocean takes his leave. Um, we and now see Benedict's like, I got my eyes on got my eyes on you. He, he seems revealed his hand. Foolish, almost. Like why would you reveal yourself to be here to the skies? Maybe so it's part of the you. plan. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is the the big day, uh, or a day they're about to start up the fountain. I think again, this is my knowledge of Las Vegas and casinos in general is going to be showing a little bit. Um, Saul is on stage with all the bigwigs as they've got this big plunger to hit to I think start the fountain out out front. Oh no, um, this
2: is the they're demolishing Ruben's old oh, hotel is what this is yes. uh, going okay. on. That makes a lot and of they made a big like sense. deal of it where they have like a press conference. immediately outside of where the destruction zone is. (laughs) I have often thought that I
0: I would love like a huge canvas or like watercolor reproduction of the shot of the hotel right before it falls. It is so beautiful. And especially the sort of framing again, Soderbergh, that guy knows how to direct uh, of a basher like watching on television (laughs) as
1: it happens over his shoulder. So good.
2: It is. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. But the hotel collapses. Um, and we start to get to the kind of third act. Now we are actually doing the heist. We've done all the prep, and now we're going to get into the big day itself. Uh, we run through the schedule: makeup and costume call at 5:30. Saul's package will arrive at 7:05. Linus will uh, grab the codes. 7:30. Yen is locked in, and they have 30 minutes to close the power to close the power off, or he suffocates. Uh, Yen is going to be locked into a cart, like a metal cart they use to put things in the vault. Uh, that's how he'll get in and out, which is. A thing only possible for as talented an acrobat and contortionist as he can do um mm-hmm. and they they show this all in their replica as they as they run through it and they're practicing and yen uh practices breaking out of the cart and doing a jump to avoid the sensors on the ground uh because they don't probably want to doesn't need know. to do a
2: backflip but it's pretty cool that he does a backflip. it's neat mm-hmm. that he
1: gets to <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and despite, there's a nice little gag here where, uh, two of the guys are like taking a bet on whether he's going to fall short or not. And of course he doesn't, he makes it, um, basher though, busts in, he's got a new wrinkle, a new problem. The demo crew didn't use a coaxial cable and then he does some techno babble, but basically the TLDRs, they've thrown his plans off. They uh, accidentally blew the backup grids and now they've been going through and fixing the flaw that he was going to exploit in the system. Mm. Uh, and he needs to find a new way to throw all of the power out for the city. Perhaps
2: um, one of the most unrealistic parts of the movie uh, that <laughs> something would, like that would happen so quickly yeah. if it was a problem.
1: <laughs> Infrastructure repairs happening in a timely manner in any major U.S. city. is Truly probably just the impossible. most unrealistic part. <laughs> <laughs> I've had potholes on my block longer than they fixed the entire power grid for the city of Las Vegas in Ocean's <laughs> <laughs> 11. <laughs> uh, but Basher suggests that they use a pinch, which is a device that kind of like, emp style creates like a little glitch in electronic systems and essentially it can kill the power for the city of las vegas for about 30 seconds just a um,
2: macguffin probably not a, MacGuffin. a real thing
1: that exists in the world but more than any know. tech guy in this movie basher really does just say some stuff sometimes
2: <laughs> we're like oh yeah cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's like even more highlighted. Again, sorry, Ocean's 13 is like a, such a close <laughs> second to me. I'll well, have you guys back on to do. We'll
1: skip Ocean's 12. We'll just go right to
2: 13. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, but like uh-oh. they do the same thing where they do the uh, the magnetron. They're like, what's a magnetron? It's the thing that. Uh, and if you Google what a magnetron is, that's the only thing that comes <laughs> up because it's a word they made up for the movie. Yeah. It's such a MacGuffin. Just like Genovia.
1: <laughs> just like Genovia. <laughs> Their major export is magnetrons. Actually, if you do, if you look it up, you're uh, right. Yeah, you're right. Really yeah. And carved
2: Christmas toys. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> carved Christmas toys and magnetrons. They developed <laughs> the magnet technology so that airplanes could like hover a little bit when a kid was playing with it, and that just seemed like a natural, you know, expansion from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense.
0: And uh, and guys, don't worry. I did look it up just because it it would have eaten at all of us. I know. Um, Montenaro is the country is the Christmas country in oh. the Princess Switch.
1: Yes, Montenaro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To know. Very close to Montenegro. Well. Mm. <laughs> um, Basher continues that the only pinch big enough for what they need to do is in uh, conveniently located close enough in the California Institute of Science. We get a little scene where they go and steal it from there. Um, Ocean, Basher, uh, Rusty, they all jump into the museum to steal it while Linus is left playing 20 questions with the brothers. And it, again, it's great, like... They're going back and forth with just the most inane little brother argument and you get this like progressively tighter shot on Linus as he gets more and more aggravated and eventually um, busts out the back of the van and follows the heist crew into the institute at the revolving door gag of revolving door gags. He enters and then a second later they exit pushing the pinch and uh, start to drive off basher starts to tech babble and they realize that linus is missing and then they see in the distance through the big windows of the institute uh linus walking up the stairs matt damon looking the most nonplussed, uh like <laughs> confused just roaming a little
2: around. guy
0: <laughs> so good they are like full bullying him and yet it, you just laugh along with it like it's it's so good
2: yeah well because these are all like dudes who have known each other for so long except for yen but like that's they. Yen just got embraced so
1: quickly, and then yeah. there's Linus, and he's just
2: like, "I just want to prove myself, you guys." And they're
1: like, "Shh, <laughs> Linus, shh, it's okay." <laughs> uh, but he, after some funky it, cat and mouse with some security guards, ends up on an awning, jumps onto the van, they put him in, and drive away. Begins, uh, but importantly, Yen sticks his hand into the door, and it gets caught, and so he's injured his hand a little bit, uh, which is exactly, what you, exactly yeah. what you want for your grease man exactly what you want um linus is told off for running off on his own um but back to the heist itself rusty ocean and linus are in the elevator and they're approached by uh livingston who's like we got a problem uh ocean has been red flagged they're gonna be watching him like a hawk from the moment that he steps foot in the casino he shouldn't yeah you know, he went and talked to his wife and now ben- benedict is like all over that and uh Rusty immediately starts telling Ocean off a little bit and he's like Ocean's got to be out of the heist Ocean's out because it's either Ocean's out or we're all out there's no way to pull it off otherwise um, mm-hmm. a little a re- probably the biggest wrinkle before they've begun the heist really is this moment of paying off the oh are you going to pick your wife or the 150 mil oh you went and talked to Tess this is all the continued build up of almost like a fake out twist of mm-hmm is Ocean going to self-sabotage this plot. Mm -hmm.
2: It's Ocean's Eleven. How can he be out of the heist? (laughs) It's his heist, Julia. His name's on it. It's his (laughs) Eleven.
1: And importantly, Linus is selected to take his place uh, to do his role in the original plan. Um, Oh, Linus. Oh, Linus. Benedict gets uh, a business call and comes to see Tess asking what she was thinking about, and she says him God forbid that she have said art or something. Uh, and we get back to Rusty coaching Linus on how to act and look unsuspicious, be as forgettable as possible and critically before he can tell him the one thing to not do under any circumstance he's called away and does not finish the line. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And it's all like advice where it's like, do this, but not too much. Or Guys, like I Don't do it. that, but I have it. Okay. Yeah? Amanda, thank you.
0: Thank Julia, you. <laughs> I know you're really big on embroidering. If this is something that you just like choose and feel inspired to embroider at any point, like I won't say no. <laughs> but, okay, here's the speech. Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look down, you know. You look down, they know you're lying. Up, they know you don't know the truth. Don't use three words when one will do. Don't shift your eyes. Look always at your mark, but don't stare. Be specific, but not memorable. Funny, but don't make him laugh. He's got to like you, then forget you the moment you've left his sight. And for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't under any circumstances... And then he's pulled away. It's, it, it's like it's like the New Millennium's Polonius monologue. It is everything. <laughs>
2: everything truly rusty a shakespearean character mm-hmm. of his time
0: rusty says never a beggar nor a borrower be, uh and be specific <laughs> but not memorable
1: a new option for actors looking to audition this could be your I'm monologue it could be your size you it sure is a monologue
2: <laughs> amanda if you rewrite that in iambic pentameter
1: then i will embroider it okay all right i'm on it i'm on it Great. deals are being love made it. schemes are being hatched i love it yep. um We also get a little moment of uh, Saul looking a little woozy, but he sort of pulls it together for the heist. Uh Uh-oh, his health issues, are they coming back? All the pieces, they're falling into place. Are they deceiving Um, each other or
2: us? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know, we're the audience.
1: (laughs) Uh, Fight night begins and crowds gather. Uh, Benedict approaches Zerga, who tells him that his courier should be there momentarily, and the briefcase arrives at the casino. It's various folks handcuffing it to each of the couriers in sequence until it makes its way to Zerga. Um, Frank is dealing blackjack. Ocean is playing slots. Uh, Benedict does see Ocean and sends his uh, goons to keep an eye on him. Um, does he have his bowtie Saul-
0: tied here? What a look.
1: So good yeah what right. a look yeah what a vibe
0: i i do have to just take quick temperature check here of the room of the panel um mm-hmm. how do we feel about being handcuffed
2: to a briefcase is that thrilling is that uh scary <laughs> i have never liked the
1: touch of steel on my skin Yes. <laughs> yeah it's i guess if i know what's in the briefcase i That's could fair. deal but just knowing how much I hate having a watch on for more than like eight hours a day, yeah. I don't think it would be, I would last long. I think I'm a bad career option for <laughs> any sort of briefcase distribution. Mm-hmm.
0: My thing is I would just think immediately of someone cutting off my hand to steal the briefcase. So mm. I would like to be present when someone else gets handcuffed to
2: a briefcase and then be like, interesting, yes. and then walk away. <laughs> yeah, I think too much
1: jingle jangle for me is what it comes down to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, sensory stuff, yeah. It's a lot of moving pieces you can really never put the briefcase down unless you fully squat you know you, you yes. can't like let it oh, dangle
2: or a table i know? guess a table
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know a bench, no julia no tables Floor in only. Floor you have to lean only. fully over like you're doing a yoga pose mm-hmm. <laughs> uh as saul is walking another guy starts yelling saul saul at him he's like oh my old buddy uh but saul keeps the illusion up and sends his goons, his his hired help, silently to drag this other mystery man away. It looks like he might Which have gotten that It's, just the, twins it's again. just the twins again. <laughs> Different suits. The same twins room. are recurring. <laughs> <laughs> um, Benedict searches the briefcase. It's clean, no secret compartments or anything. And gives it to the manager to put in the vault while Saul watches on the security cameras. And uh Benedict has a little line about how he doesn't trust Saul here. So um you know we're always a little worried about how convincing Saul's disguise and role are being but so far so good it seems um and the the casino
0: floor manager i must say another epic that guy such a good yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's great (laughs)
1: big goon. Perfect level of like overtly menacing or at least overtly like evil, like a capital E evil, you know? Like he's he is a villain's goon first mm-hmm. and a character second. <laughs> um they push the cart containing some fancy food and in all likelihood soon to contain Yen into the uh casino in disguise. Is this also the drivers here in their little uh hotelier um
2: Plus yeah Bellboy, i think so i think so right? yes yes can, it is because
1: yeah. they do a real quick uh costume like, change. outfit change it's <laughs> honestly kind of impressive so keep for anyone keeping track it's what like the third uh, costume that they'll pass through this hotel in?
2: <laughs> yeah i think th- it must be the fourth because i think they only have one more after this mm-hmm. so good
1: linus is a little nervous but he's getting coached by the tech guy in his earpiece he's gonna pull it together and the drivers get yen into the cart um Linus approaches Benedict, pretending to be from the Nevada Gaming Commission, and asks him to accompany him to pit five. Uh, as he's doing this, Ocean begins to follow his ex-wife, Tess. <laughs> so good. Um, Linus takes Benedict to Frank's table, and they start to kind of, starts to do his whole like interrogation arresting routine from the Gaming Commission, but Benedict, not wanting to make a scene on the floor, asks them to take it somewhere else, and so they leave the floor, which gets Benedict off of it takes the security's attention away and the uh drivers and yen change costume and head for the vault so they're doing a little bit more of a misdirect it's the balloons 2.0 the drivers are once again veering off in another direction keeping their eye keeping benedict off of them um ocean approaches tess and tells her goodbye and she immediately figures out that he's on a job uh never one to be fooled by her ex-husband's schemes (laughs) Um, Frank is interviewed by Linus under the guise of the Gaming Commission Act. Uh he's like, This is an ex-convict that you're employing, and they go back and forth in a very heated argument turned near fist fight, a very convincing scuffle of sorts, uh, distracting Benedict from whatever else is going on in the casino.
2: Linus just playing like the most mealy mouth piece of shit in the yeah. world. Like <laughs> so, just good. so- oh god and again it just, really it's great but terrible really <laughs> makes me uh
0: regretful that Bernie Mac didn't have a longer acting career because I feel like his his like third and fourth mm. and fifth act of an actor in his like 40s and 50s and 60s would have been so incredible
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. he's got mm-hmm. such a gravitas even in this scene where he's you know again an actor playing a part in a movie where he's playing a part but just like, such a weight to it that makes it sells Linus's weaselly bit and makes mm-hmm. it even more convincing yeah uh, they are sent, uh, the drivers are delivering the package, um, and they're arguing back and forth as they get to the one front door where the guard asks for their key card, and they like, oh my god, I forgot it, I don't have it, going back and forth, and eventually to stop those two from arguing and getting rowdy on the floor, the guard's like, hey, hey, I'll have, you know, one of, one of our guys send it down to the high rollers room you just get your card next time and he takes the cart in and the clock is starting with yen and his 30 minutes of air before he suffocates inside of this cart
2: i'm realizing now that part of the reason that the twins work so well together is their constant arguing really plays on people's like I don't want to watch people, like, yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's a lot of just, like, just, okay, just do whatever you want. Like, stop making such a big deal about everything. And just, like, you know, so don't yell at him for forgetting his key card. We'll just let you in. Uh, stop arguing with each other. We need to separate you guys, you know, from delivering your balloons or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly.
0: Yeah. And it, it really plays on, like, the stuff that we know about Benedict, which is he cares about appearances. And, you know, he wants things to run on time, which is why he, for example, leaves Matt Damon, leaves Linus behind, you know, mm-hmm. in in the warren of uh, of the place, why he says, like, of course, gaming commission, whatever you need, even though he's on a tight schedule.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like the twins are, like, aware that that's kind of their little sneak, sneaky power as well. Like, they're very tuned into, well, if we argue in this, way, people will become uncomfortable, and so we can use this to our advantage. As much mm-hmm. as there is genuine younger sibling brother, older squabbling brother, sibling squabbling happening, in, happening yeah. they, in this moment, it's like, oh, no, there are points where they use it very intentionally. mm mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Saul is watching his case on the video feeds and is struggling a little bit. He's getting sweatier. Uh-oh, health issues. Um, Frank is uh, fired and sent away from the casino, so he's out. And uh, Linus does a whole routine, as you mentioned, Amanda, about like, losing his pager. And Benedict leaves him in the tunnels as Linus walks off to, quote-unquote, find it and get back to the heist at hand. Um Ocean is, meanwhile, is being held up by these two guards in a mysterious room somewhere in the casino. Uh, when a big third guy enters, uh-oh, Benedict isn't coming. Someone's going to beat up Ocean. This could be terrible. What will happen next?
2: Um, it's Bruiser. Luckily,
1: <laughs> it's Bruiser. We Fun all know Bruiser. About bruiser.
2: <laughs> Former uh, professional wrestler. And is, like, very often typecast in a bunch of different stuff where he is, like, the big intimidating bad guy. Like, in mostly in, like, aughts kind of lower budget fantasy stuff. Like, he was on <laughs> Buffy and Angel and Charmed. Uh, he was on, I think, in The Scorpion King as well. Just kind of, huh. like, you know, big scary characters, but mostly background stuff. He's in Spider-Man in the wrestling scene where Spider-Man, like, does
1: the wrestling. <laughs> Uh, so he's kind of like all over the place very interesting so good interesting career for that guy Um, and he's here also going to be a friend of Ocean Uh, he's gonna help him rejoin the heist in a way but we'll see more on that and how he figures in in just a second um the guards have taken the cart into the vault, but unfortunately they've put a, like, phone on top of, of the cart or some big, you know, little voicemail. Oh, no, it's, it's the suitcase. It's the suitcase? Mm-hmm. That, oh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's Saul's suitcase, which uh, is so funny because it's the only reason that it got in in the first place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And now, like, it might mess up the whole plan. <laughs> right on the lid that Yen usually pops out of, so we don't know if he's gonna be able to get out. Um, exactly and it's handcuffed to
0: the handle right so that's that's why yeah. it doesn't drop onto the lasers and then like trigger the alarm
2: oh no I think Yen's able to grab it in the last oh that's minute. right like he feels mm. it sliding he's
1: like oh no even better <laughs> uh, but after we see that another little cut of uh, Zerga sweating profusely um, Ocean climbs into the vents above his room as his buddy Bruiser stays in the room and like makes fighting sounds. So it seems like he's beating up Ocean the whole time and keeps the two guards who are in the front door from coming in, which so, is I excellent. Will, <laughs> I will say also one of my favorite lines in the movie is, Danny goes,
2: how's your wife doing? And Bruiser goes, pregnant again. Pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> like what a weird reaction to someone asking how your wife's
1: doing. <laughs> so funny. Oh, uh, pregnant again. Pregnant
2: again. It it makes you wonder how like, many, that happens. like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that just like true of every heist that Danny goes on is that he he ins- at some point is going to need to interact with Bruiser and every time he does he's like how's your wife and every single time Bruiser says she's pregnant again <laughs> yeah. Bruiser nine kids. that's why Bruiser's doing so much of this uh, work
2: because yeah. Danny pays him well right
1: <laughs> uh, Benedict through all of this returns to white- watch the fight with Tess um, Zerga collapses oh no the health issue Saul Zurga, ah. Saul <laughs> uh linus gets into an elevator and the techie cuts the video feed making him invisible as everyone is distracted with the medical emergency happening in the main room wait a minute is this is this all part of the heist is it part <laughs> of the happening? heist well uh,
0: if we call for a huh? doctor i wonder if that doctor is going to be brad pitt in a bad wig <laughs> in
2: a bad <laughs> wig Ooh, also this wig a mustache
1: was there a mustache or am i don't i don't think there was a mustache not but it doctor, does seem no. like he should have had one like it mm-hmm. at any point in this movie you could tell me brad pitt was or was not wearing a fake mustache and i would believe you like he just constantly has the <laughs> energy of someone who does have a fake mustache yes, <laughs> yes yeah yeah um Ocean pulls Linus into the vents inside of the elevator, and so they, he's like, you thought I was out? Silly, silly new new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> My name's the title of the movie, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rusty enters and gets to do doctor stuff. Um, Ocean and Linus change out of disguises into some very, very exciting, for me, little rope suspension thing that they're gonna descend down the shaft on it's the thing uh, they did the thing climbing gear it's the thing. <laughs> they're doing the thing we see all the red lasers we're on It's happening people it's happening <laughs> ocean reveals that his argument with Rusty was all part of the plan to get Linus to be the man who did the little con with Frank so it was all they all is everything's going according to plan even still um I would be so bad if I was uh, if I was Linus
2: being like you really had to test me like that like you could have just told me i like i would have gotten prepared
1: i would have done what you needed me to do like come yeah. on man mm-hmm. i get what they're going for with the whole like well he's gonna perform better under pressure because he has to do this or else we all fail but also you all agreed to do a multi-million dollar heist i feel like you probably could have trained him <laughs> acu- adequately and it would have been okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um rusty declares saul dead after trying cpr uh. <laughs> tragic he's not done he's not dead. everything's fine there's a nice little well, lost the where they'll start to have <laughs> they'll start to oh, have these, and, like cutaways of like and the twins joining. are the
2: medics in that scene too i yes. forgot <laughs> about that completely so six outfits for the boys, six <laughs> outfits for the
0: boys. i wonder if their days on being set the
1: drivers but having wardrobe
0: i wonder if their days on set were like primarily them walking back and forth through the same casino lobby with like the extras changing outfits <laughs> and them changing outfits
1: <laughs> probably 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 Uh, they also do this thing in the sequence where they'll start uh, as more and more of the plan gets revealed and more and more of the members of the heist are like free to return Uh, And they exit the scene, whether that's because they've been declared dead or because Mm -hmm. they've been fired. They'll start to join up with Livingston and, like, watch the tech feed. And so, like, one by one, we start to see, like, Frank and Saul and everyone gathering to watch the ending of the heist. So just keep in mind that that's happening in the background. And I absolutely loved it. (laughs) So good. You're like, oh, all right, my part's done. So let me watch, see how things are going. I've done my con. Um, The red lasers heist 101 is happening basher gets the all clear and gets to setting up his pincher uh, which gets to work right as the fight is about to start goes off and all the power in the city turns on off he's caused a, a total power outage in the city of las vegas and the latest in glow stick technology allows ocean and linus to descend <laughs> safely he says crack em, and then they crack their glow sticks <laughs> So cool. Wow. So high-tech. Incredible. We know it's high-tech because it's that sort of off-green color. It's not for fun, Mm. it's for function. (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, But they drop them to the bottom, and that shows them where the floor of the shaft is, and they're able to descend on their little rope wires quickly while the lasers are turned off. And they descend, and despite being a foot or two off of the floor, uh, fall and release exactly the right moment, moments before the lasers come back on. They've made it through the elevator portion of the heist. We did it, gang. We did it. We made it through the elevator. Entering it.
0: the real buddy um, comedy of errors portion of the heist where where Clooney and Damon continue to just like play off each other in absolute comedic yeah. gold. It's it's so perfect. <laughs> like I respect that Matt Damon collaborates with Ben Affleck and loves to make movies about, you know, heists and Boston and crimes mm-hmm. and sadness, but all I ever wanted to do was play a bumbling, well meaning medium sort of skilled criminal. So
1: good. Yeah. He's at mm. his best when he's named Linus, you know. He's exactly. about It's about the Linus of it all. Yes. <laughs> um there is absolute chaos when the lights do come back up 30 seconds later. The fight is just dissolved into a full-on riot. People are, like, stealing from the casino tables. Uh, it's just complete anarchy. I love this for the city of Las Vegas. It took 30 seconds for everyone to go completely insane. I mean,
2: wouldn't My you- favorite moment in that, too, is Saul's <laughs> at the fight where... Uh, to- uh, i keep calling him tony where terry benedict (laughs) and uh julia roberts are Mm -hmm. and basically like his reaction to being what whoa what's going on like what's
1: happening around there (laughs) Uh, and benedict does rush tess out of the arena as this fight is happening so she's being shuffled out of the scene but sophia Um, what's that noise ring ring what's happening ring ring Tess, who doesn't have a phone, gets a phone call. An incredible thing <laughs> also, that the you most cannot say. most <laughs> thing ever. The <laughs> moment after 2001, I don't have a this phone. This movie only can exist in 2001 because of this one very specific detail. All the rest of it you could update or like explain away, but this one moment, this one moment dates it to 2001 intimately. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could do something along the lines of like, well, that's not my
2: ringtone. And then you pull out a different phone. Julia, they didn't have text tones your, then. They didn't phone. have them yet. I know. No, I'm saying if we wanted to make this a little more modern, got the ringtone on. It. Keep it on yeah. vibrate, you know. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. I was. I never had my ringtone on because I'm a millennial. <laughs> I was getting too
0: excited, uh, but no, this this is so good. And you know, Sophia, you're you introduced us very kindly as co-hosts of Spirits and join the party. Um, if you mm-hmm. listen to our Cinematic Universe of podcasts, you will know that I'm really obsessed with the historical period Pipney, uh, pre iPhone, post 9 <laughs> 11. Um, now
2: Hi-huh. I was gonna bring it up, Amanda, but I was like, too niche, too niche. <laughs> it's not,
0: Julia. This is the right Excellent. audience. I feel the audience can handle this. They can really, they, I trust them. Um, And uh, you're right. And I was wrong. That's all right. Thank you. Takes a, takes a big, I was going to razz you. I can't, Um, but no, the, the pre iPhone (laughs) post nine 11 period of technology is perfect for heisting and heist movies because you can call someone, you can't browse the web on your phone. You can uh, set up a like small wireless network to get between a van and like the inside of a museum. But there's no Bluetooth. Uh, and it is just like it is delicious and perfect. And I think it's a historical moment that deserves a uh, an era name. And my suggestion is Pipney Now, is 9-11 referenced yeah. in this film? No. Was it made pre-9-11? Yeah. Certainly was. But yes. spiritually, <laughs> I think it is the yes. beginning of this point.
1: There's always a little bit of a buffer when, like, a historical period ends and a new one begins. Mm, and this is you. being in 2001. I feel like you could probably make an argument for it fitting thank into you. that buffer zone. You're mm-hmm. right, Amanda. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inside of our vault, Yen is out of his box. He catches the uh, the briefcase. This is a word. The briefcase of the last second. And uh, he does his little flip and manages to jump over to the shelf once again and once again we get our little gag of oh he's going to fall short and then he doesn't and that bet uh, once again fails and he starts to crawl over to the door I do love, he doesn't undershoot the shelf but he overshoots it a little and he goes over the edge and he manages to kind of catch himself and flip back up. Uh, one of my favorite genres of movie are martial arts uh, Hong Kong like 80s and 90s cinema and so yeah. for me I was like a little taste just a little taste of it in Ocean's Eleven a it's one. Something for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he starts putting up the pins that they're going to use to blow the door uh, as uh, Ocean and um, Linus are doing the same on the other side. They start putting up all these little dots. They set their timer to detonate to 20 seconds and Yen gets his bandages from where he injured his hand from when Linus jumped out of the van, stuck in like a crevice in the door. Um, the te- right where the explosion's about to be. Oh, no. <laughs> He's, the tech
2: is
0: trying to tell Ocean like five
2: times already. Yen is
0: unfortunately Yen's
1: suffering like, out there. Yeah, he really goes through it. Like he gets the most physical injury of anyone in this movie, it's and true. he also gets stuck in a cart for thirty minutes with no air. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It's rough. It's rough to be the grease man. The tech is trying to tell Ocean not to blow the door, but the signal's blocked because of how far underground they are. or Whatever. Thing that's going wrong with their headpiece 2001 technology it's fallible um it's pipney it's, pipney. it's pipney. Pipney, <laughs> pipney baby thank you uh the countdown happens but the bomb doesn't go off and yen manages to get his bandage free at the last second as ocean and linus are messing with the detonator and then very <laughs> delayed the bombs do go off <laughs> when they least expect it and uh they are able to enter the vault where yen emerges from behind a cart uh he gets says i think Maybe one of his first or biggest lines in English in the whole movie. The only line of English that he does in the whole movie, I think, which is kind (laughs) of fun. Where the fuck have you been? (laughs) (laughs) The fuck you been? The only F-bomb that they get in the whole movie, which I love. Oh, Oh, great! so good. They're pushing their PG-13. They're like, it's fine. Let's get a little F-bomb in there. This is a good use for it. You get one? Mm Mm-hmm. I think Yen also gave someone the finger when they were putting him into the cart uh, at an earlier date as well, which I love. Yen gets to be angry. He gets the most physical damage done to him, but also he gets to be the most angry. And I love that for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the crew starts gathering up the cash in the vault and the rest uh, are already done. So they're all gathered around watching the video feed. And this is when Tess gets that mysterious phone call from not her phone. Uh, it's Rusty asking for Mr. Benedict. Ooh. Iconic. Ooh. He introduces himself as the man who's robbing him and Benedict rushes to the control room where the video feed shows that there's nothing going on in the vault. And as he's got him on the phone, Rusty tells him to keep watching and they cut the feed and we go to the vault actively being robbed. We see the real scene. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, we see, we get a little zoom in on Tess who flashes back to the moment where uh, Ocean had given her a little kiss on the cheek goodbye and also conveniently slipped the phone in her pocket. Do you guys interpret that as Tess knew there was a phone in her pocket or Tess did not know there was a phone in her pocket? <laughs> no, because we see Danny do a lift and a, a placement mm-hmm. earlier on in the film with
2: Linus and Linus doesn't even notice. So like, I think Danny is just that good at pickpocketing and also reverse pickpocketing. So, mm. But you have to admit, Tess is... A real g because she hears rusty request benedict and does not say oh hey rusty or like you know call out that she knows who's on the other end Mm -hmm. of the phone yep yeah But her uh, making
0: eye contact with rusty as she walks up to him during that phone call is like electric so good mm -hmm. yeah
1: she'll leave the room right after this and as she goes to the casino floor like she walks right up to him on the phone with benedict um and rusty goes on to tell benedict that uh Benedict is going to be the one to carry the money out because they're only taking half and the other half left in the vault is booby trapped. So if he lets them take their half without stopping them, he gets to keep his 80 million uh, and it won't all just go kaput. Um, Benedict can either lose 80 million secretly or publicly and he's (laughs) got to make that decision. So Benedict off of the phone has his manager make a call and the manager calls 911. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Tess also takes a moment to ask Rusty about Ocean, who has asked her to go upstairs and watch TV. So she's exiting the movie for most of this last ending part until the very, very little last bit for Tess. Um, Benedict gets back on the phone and tells Rusty that they have a deal. Rusty tells him to have three guards carry the bags to the casino door and to bring the bags to the white unmarked van parked outside. And if anyone interferes at any point, they'll blow everything. Once his men's safety is confirmed and they get the vault back. Rusty also confirms that he's in the casino by the slots and even staying in the hotel but it doesn't matter if he knows where he is because his safety is all but guaranteed Um, (laughs) Benedict does his intimidating evil guy speech saying that he's going to have his people find him so he'd better run and hide he'd better get out of sight because if he ever catches a whiff of him he's dead Um, but Rusty has long since abandoned the cell phone by the time that he's doing his whole evil monologue Mm -hmm. (laughs) The van is driven out of the strip, heading towards the airport. Uh, Benedict gets everyone into position. They want their vault back before it hits the tarmac. Uh, SWAT is in position outside the vault. The control room cuts power to the vault. We hear gunfire on the radio. They call for the power back up after various bangs, scrapes, booms, and whatnot. Uh, And We get the video feedback, and we see that the booby trap did indeed go off. The money in the vault is gone. Uh, And Benedict is out a hundred and fifty, excuse me, a hundred and fifty million. So good. so much money.
2: So good. So For his pride, money. you know? For yeah. his pride. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and like recognizing that the feed has been compromised, seeing the, you know, the switch over from what we thought was happening to what's really happening, just, it's like, oh,
1: it's beautiful. Oh, just wonderful. And it's getting... We're reaching the peak of the heist movie, which is the moment of the most complexity. And it's just, it's right there. You can feel it. You're always thinking like, what's going to be the one more thing that tells me that they've succeeded? Because we're not quite there yet. We're not quite a hundred percent sure that they've gotten away with it. Benedict can still send his guys after the van as he does. And we see the van get to the airport surrounded by all of these goons. The goons shoot out the tires and we see Benedict in his vault uh, as SWAT tells him they don't know how anyone got here or left. And Benedict asks after the van, which we then see is driven by a robot. And <gasps> just off in the distance is Saul and one of the brothers with little Casey remote Affleck. control. <laughs> Casey, yep, Casey Affleck, yeah, one, yeah, so good. Oh my God. Our just like a back. payoff. 60 minutes later in the film, truly wild, <laughs> so good. And most, and critically, there's no money in that van either. So it's, it was, it's the fake out of all fake outs. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm yeah it's flyers um, from this the joint where the stripper and her mom work
1: yeah yeah they've yeah. swapped out the money for just miscellaneous paper there's no money in the yeah. bags no money um, in the bags benedict plays the tape of the robbery and realizes that on the floor of the safe of the vault is not the word bellagio that what he was seeing on the feed was staged and what was on the monitor wasn't actually happening and finally we get a little bit of moment of like oh that's why they built a full replica vault it wasn't just for practice they had to make their fake footage there you go um, i i wonder
2: I, that's like you know that's a reveal for the audience to realize how mm-hmm. the they did it right i wonder if in the the meta in the narrative in the canon of this movie <laughs> if he hadn't done that, do you think Terry Benedict would have ever figured out how the fuck they got the money?
1: I don't know that I no he idea. would have.
2: Yeah.
0: I- I'd like to think he would have because it's not about, like outwitting him is just about like outmaneuvering him for now that Mm -hmm. that's what i think is one of the the best parts of this matchup and to your point julia why they're able to reunite and kind of readdress this tension two movies later um but yeah i think Mm -hmm. he probably would have figured it out at some point they're not worried about disguising their tracks they they know openly a heist Mm -hmm. is taking place they just need to get away first
1: Yeah. yeah yeah it's more about buying time than anything else right yeah, but we see the way that it really happened. Uh, the vault was emptied by the heist crew in disguise as the SWAT team who had uh, routed the 911 call to themselves, and they've infiltrated that way by being the first responders. They'd picked up their crewmates and pretended to be in a fight when the power was shut down um, at, in the middle of that video feed when we heard all those bangs and scrapes and bangs and whatnot. Um, the money left the casino in the SWAT van, and uh, as Benedict realizes all of this, realizes he's been played, Power walks down the hall to where Ocean is being held. Like surely this man is going to be gone, and we'll have, have it was done him. It. it must have been. He, it's it was him. It must have been. Um, but Ocean is then there, being punched. He's <laughs> he he has been here the whole time, presumably.
2: Bruiser getting beat up by Bruiser. Bruiser. <laughs>
1: Benedict picks Ocean up and asks if he had a hand in this, but Ocean plays dumb, and it works. As, like, you get the idea that Benedict maybe doesn't 100% believe him, but he just has no physical way to prove that, you, you know, Ocean ever left that room. It's plausible. Um, an you can't get the cops to arrest him for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ocean is shown out. He's going to be... Uh, they're going to call his parole officer, which is still getting arrested, but for a much, much smaller sentence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, violating parole is a way different thing than helping to steal
1: $160 billion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tess also gets a call and she's told to tune into Channel 88 where she's shown the feed, the security feed of Benedict in the hall with Ocean. And he walks up and asks Ocean one last time where his money is. And Ocean says, what if I could get it back if you gave up Tess? And Benedict with very little hesitation says yes and of course Tess sees this she sees at last how terrible of a man he is Ocean has showed her bad man is bad and so she will have revelations. Bad man, bad. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> terrible. Poor Tess. hmm Poor Tess. Yes. Benedict is unimpressed with Ocean's I know a guy speech tells the and this is where he's sent out to violate parole or whatever and uh, on the way out Um, Benedict sees Tess leaving she hits him with the repeat of a line he said earlier when he didn't kiss her in a gallery because they saw a security camera Uh, and she says in your hotel there's always someone watching and leaves she saw and heard everything they really give her a lot of mic drop lines in this uh, movie. <laughs> they Which, do. again, not a lot to go on, but no. she delivers everyone with such a punch. Just like the ratio of lines to mic drops is so skewed in favor of the line dro- of the mic drops for uh, Julia Roberts, which great for mm-hmm. her. Um, yes, it is. She can, she can really drop that mic. Doesn't have a lot else to do, so at least she gets that practice in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Benedict is a truly defeated man. Uh, the SWAT van pulls in and the whole team emerges. Emerges. They've oceaned Eleven's their way to riches. Uh, Tess leaves the casino, sees Ocean being arrested, calls after him, calls him her husband. Whoa, I guess in, okay. in the proving that she was dating a bad guy, he has also completely redeemed himself in her eyes and they are now back to fully in love. Um, he's like, she's like, I knew you knew what you were doing and she tearfully asks how long he'll be gone, and he says three to six months, give or take. Um, We get a nice slow shot of all the heist crew watching the fountain go off. Sort of looking amongst each other knowingly as they walk off one by one slowly. Claire Delune
2: playing and truly like (laughs) such a
1: moving moment. Yeah,
0: like the most. I I wrote. I have almost no notes in between Bruiser's introduction and this moment because I was just like so in the heist. Um, But this one is like (laughs) this orchestration sounds like a Disney theme. Bedazzled, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like
2: it is just. It's so nostalgic. Philadelphia Orchestra, actually. Ah, good fact. Right on. All right. Hell yeah.
1: Uh, We get a title card three to six months later. Uh, Rusty is waiting for Ocean when he gets out of prison. Again in Amanda, that suit with the bow tie undone, perfectly pressed. Once more. (laughs) Once more, coming full circle. One one guy he's got on the inside for sure runs the laundry, and he's got that locked Mm down. He got locked down. Uh, They quip and walk off together to the car where Tess and all of his stuff are waiting in the back seat. Uh, Tess still has her ring, despite saying that she had sold it. So she was she's she's still a little bit after all. Um, And we see as they drive off in their convertible, the uh, couple guys, the muscle in the silver sedan drives off and follows them. And uh, they ride off into the into the Ocean's Eleven Sunset. Yeah showing benedict's not done with them
2: yet no. exactly and you you got to stay tuned for the next installments folks <laughs> yeah, yeah but- listen keep keep in oh my god what am i saying uh yeah you gotta uh listen to oceans 12 to hear me yell
1: about how much i <laughs> dislike oceans 12 you can
2: skip it we'll come back for 13 that's okay all right, great. Maybe that's we
1: fine, do 13 and then we go back to 12 to complete the trilogy, but we get like the fun ones in, you know? <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow yeah. it. <laughs> and eight's in there somewhere. Um, yeah. I love this trend for the Multitude podcast folks because I had uh, Eric, your DM, join the party on a while ago, and he did do uh, Logan Lucky, which is another heist flick, more All recent, heists. but still all heists <laughs> yes
2: Amanda, amanda's household is a heist household. yeah because what it is. <laughs> like julia who
0: i have been dear friends with for 25 years eric loves me and they are both willing to watch heist movies
1: and celebrate <laughs> my love of them with me hell yeah well, i'm happy we've given you an outlet to celebrate some love of that on the podcast today kind of getting into closing thoughts in the movie um what do we do just go around the table and say like Usually, I ask, "Would you recommend our audience watch this movie? Maybe under what circumstances, um, and just any sort of keystone thoughts." I think we might all be in agreement on whether or not they should watch this movie, but still, it's good to hear it hear it from the horse's mouth, as it were. Yes. Yes. For lack of a better phrase, yes, you should watch this
0: movie. Absolutely. It is so much fun. It is great to have on at a party. It is great to have on as a sick day movie. Uh it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it on a big screen, but if I ever did like a birthday screening, which Eric did once and screened um the Pokemon movie uh at a a local cinema near us. It was like (laughs) you know a 25 seat cinema and rented it for his friends. Um I, I would totally do this. Uh it's just fun all the way down. And the couple times I have been to Las Vegas, I have been essentially actually like for me las vegas is not a city but the set of ocean's 11 um and so next time i go <laughs> yeah. i am going to have my own little like reflective moment in front of the bellagio fountains uh it's just excellent so good and so much fun and uh heists are incredible when the people you're heisting are terrible uh or ultimately it's corporation
1: mhm facts yeah no it this is a ton of fun if you have never seen a heist movie before this is a great entry point to heist as a whole it hits all the beats that you want a heist movie to hit but at the same time, it holds up to a lot of rewatches. You're going to get more details. You'll clock more costume changes for the Malore brothers every time. It's, <laughs> it's a great time. I did kind of want to do one fun question here at the end, because we are doing heist movies. We've talked about the heist here. They've robbed this casino. They've robbed Benedict. If you were on an Ocean's Eleven-esque team, whatever the number of oceans is, what mm-hmm. would be the target that you would most want to heist?
2: Oh, what a good question. Do I just want to take all of Elon Musk's money? Could be good. And also maybe his (laughs) life? No, I can't say that on a podcast. Yeah, I think,
0: I bet Jeff Bezos owns some Nazi art. I'm just Mm. saying it. This is alleged by my brain. I bet he owns some art bought off the black market from people who stole it from juice. Uh, and so I, I think in my head canon, I would sneak into Bezos's mansion, uh, liberate, and then steal, like uh, liberate back and then set fire to the home um, so that the land can be reclaimed.
1: Nice. Correct. Very good. Correcting good, Amanda. Yes. Correcting good. I've always liked the the Isabella Stewart Gardner heist that happened a bunch of years ago. I went to school in Boston and so <laughs> it was very prominent. Uh, And just like the idea of having that sort of effect of there are just going to be spots on the wall where the art is missing and you've stolen some particular, like some of it is big, but a lot of it is just like the filial eagle or this mysterious, like, what could this thing be? A little bit of a national treasure element almost of like, why would you take this object that seems pretty innocuous? Um, I'm trying to think of a good museum to heist from. I'd feel bad taking art though, because then you would want to give it back to the world is the thing. A good reason, though, to steal art True. is to send it back to where it was probably stolen from in the yeah. first place. Well, to rob, you know, Jeff Bezos of his alleged art is a great way to do that, then, because it does return to oh, the yeah. world. Um yeah. My,
0: I, I think my real answer would be some of those like offshore um, shipping container places. There are some in New Jersey. Oh. There are some like in different states yeah. where like they're technically not the U.S. So you can keep art in like customs limbo in like very highly mm. temperature controlled vaults that have been the, you know, the sort of setting of lots of interesting procedurals uh, and like episodes of <laughs> Law and Order. But um, I would absolutely like donate all that art to museums uh, and then insist that they make it freely available.
1: very cool I like that I'm into it yeah we're a bunch of do-gooders doing art heists is the takeaway here (laughs) correct and we're off to totally not allegedly plan that but in the interim uh Amanda and Julia thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast you guys have got some really exciting stuff happening you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what you got going on and where they might be able to find you Amanda, go for it. We do, we are (laughs) going to be touring,
0: doing a seven city tour of the US in the last week of March, Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, Boston, DC, Philadelphia, and New York. For our podcasts, Join the Party, an actual play show where our current campaign is a bunch of plant and bug people who are pirates out on the open sea. If you've never played D&D, it's a wonderful entry point. I hadn't at all when we started. And Spirits, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. So it's going to be an incredible dual live show, real value for your money. So come and join us. Go to spiritspodcast.com slash live or join the partypod.com slash live,
1: whatever you want. Uh, and grab tickets. We would love to see you there. Yes please. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. I'll definitely be checking you guys out when you come through Philly. If you're at all interested, go join the party and Spirits a listen. Go check out their live shows. All of that is linked in the show notes below. Um, Yeah, I think we've just got to get the team together, get some schematics. Let's let's go lay this all out. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks or so to talk about another episode. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be plotting. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on March 4th with another thrilling episode, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the show before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com, and check out the Movie Struck Discord server for fun conversations with other fans about all things movies, especially with the upcoming Oscars. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive benefits. I'd also like to give a special shout out to the patrons who joined us in January. It's because of you guys and everyone over on Patreon that we're able to keep the podcast going and keep Ziggy and the good cat food. So special thank you to Sarai Thompson and Halian Crusader.